Howdy. This is the Views from the Shop podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Saturday, November 11th, 2023, I wish you a sincerely happy Veterans Day. Today's show is, as always, a part of the big banter sports network covering every single team in the big 10 in college basketball and college football you can find big banter sports wherever you're taking in content on social media and on their website and we're thankful to be a partner of their network today's show we are going to recap ohio state's first loss of the season taking a loss to Texas A&M. Now, before we get into that, I want to tell you something that would not be wise. And that is this. If you live in Ohio, or if you're familiar with the Midwest at all, or just in general about how plants grow, okay? Pretty simple concept, right? At At a very high level, we're understand of how this works. We plant a seed in the ground, we water it, we give it some sunlight, we, we put it in the correct climate, and then we wait for that seed to sprout and grow and to produce some kind of fruit or vegetable, something like that. That's why we call it produce, by the way. Now, we know in our right minds that it would be very unwise to plant something, farmers across the entire state of Ohio, to plant something in March or April, and then... Two weeks later, we don't see a a full cob of corn or whatever else you may be growing. You don't see it. So what do you do? You pluck it out of the ground and you try to start over from scratch and you say, ah, we ruined this. This isn't going to work. Can I make this analogy about Ohio State basketball now? It would be very unwise for us as Buckeye fans to give Ohio State two games to play and then count them out. That is essentially the same as planting a seed and not seeing a sprout and then saying, oh, we failed. We need to start over. Not the case here with Ohio State basketball. So right now, I'm seeing fans on every side of the spectrum. There will always be those five, ten percenters that are never going to be happy because For some reason, if you're an Ohio State football fan, you expect that Ohio State basketball should, too, also lose one game at most every season. The most elite teams in all of college basketball every year lose multiple games in a season. So one loss does not ruin your season nor does it mean that you need to tear everything down. And I get it. There will always be those five, ten percenters that are always upset about Ohio State. But I think that the bulk of this fan base is getting more and more impatient with Chris Holtman and Ohio State. And that's fine. And I get it. And I'm going to go through a couple observations from this game. But before we get into that, can we just realize one thing? Ohio State is one of the youngest teams in all of college basketball. This Buckeye roster has one senior that has been on the team for four years, and that's Zed Key. You've got Dale Bonner. You've got Jamison Battle coming in as transfers. But the bulk of these players 
are freshmen and sophomores. They just lost to the AP-ranked number 15 team in the nation that returns most of its production from a season ago, was ranked second in the SEC preseason poll, and had the SEC preseason player of the year, and a player in Wade Taylor IV who many say could be an All-American. So, as we're upset about Ohio State losing to Texas A&M, that's fine, but we need to take a breath, take a breather here, and realize all is not lost. And I'm here on this show, as always, my goal is to simply be measured, be insightful, be thoughtful with my takes, and have the ability to react a little bit slower than the fan base will, simply because sometimes that's what we need. So let's recap this game from Ohio State, losing to Texas A&M, then we'll go into some observations from this game. So, if you didn't see the game on Peacock, the game was on Peacock, if you didn't watch the game, first of all, you have no right to be tweeting about what happened on this game, there's that. I did see at least two people who I don't necessarily follow, but two people within the Ohio State basketball fan community who said, I'm not investing in Peacock, I'm not watching this game, it's not worth it. They're going to ruin the game by doing this. That's that's your take, and, and you're well within your right to do that and say that. But you also then can't say, well, Ohio State can't win the big games at home. It's it's sad. Let go of Chris Holman. Can't, you can't have that take. So let's recap this game. First of all, I, I would like to, to put it out there that we are two of three on our bets this season that I have recommended. If you're not into betting, then you can skip like 30 seconds, and that's fine. But we took... Bruce Thornton over his points in game one against Oakland. That hit. We took Jameson Battle to have over two and a half threes in this game against Texas A&M. He had two before halftime. Four or five minutes left. He got a second three. We were looking good. He had an attempt at the end of the game. As I said, could happen where Ohio State is down by a couple of buckets. The exact scenario that I described happened. Battle got an open look at three. Wasn't able to cash in. So that one didn't hit. But the other one that did hit, unfortunately, was Texas A&M plus 1.5 on the spread. And also taking Texas A&M on the money line. So good on us for that. But recapping this game, Ohio State loses to Texas A&M 73-66. to I'm going to go through, we're going to go through some stats later. I'm just going to go through the keys to the game that I set out before this one. I, I published this on Twitter, on Instagram, even had a YouTube video on this as well. So keys to the game for Ohio State against Texas A&M, and how did they fare? Well, number one was take and make threes. We knew that Ohio State in this game was going to have the chance to hit a bunch of threes. They're going to have the chance to do so. And we knew for a fact that they were going to get a bunch of threes up because that's how Texas A&M plays their defense. Ohio State shot 19 threes in this one. It was actually a little bit lower than I expected. Ohio State tried to attack the paint a little bit more in the second half. They went 4 of 19 from behind the arc this season. Very, very, or sorry, in this game. Very, very disappointing. And the fact that they go 4 of 19 against Texas A&M. They shot really poorly from deep against Oakland. They shot less triples than expected, like I said. But through two games this season, it's clearly not been a strength for Ohio State. 4 of 19. Texas A&M didn't shoot much better from three but four of 19 for Ohio State is bad 
And if you're just simply a little bit better than 20%, if you can get to 30% in this game, you get a couple more threes to go down. You lost this game by seven points. It's a lot different game if you can make a couple more of those threes. Texas A&M, like I said, they weren't much better. They were three of 18. They were 17% from three. And I said it going in. Texas A&M isn't going to be a team that scares you from three. They're going to be the team that scares you from the paint. And we will talk about that certainly here in a bit. So the first key to the game was to take and make the threes. They did take open looks. They got open looks. A lot of times they got what they were looking for. They just weren't able to convert. Number two, rebound offensively. Going into this game, and again, I'm going to harp on Ohio State's inability to rebound defensively and to defend the paint. I will harp on that here in a bit. But the second key was for them to rebound offensively. Zed Key has traditionally been one of the best offensive rebounders in the Big Ten, in college basketball. It doesn't really matter. He is up there with the best of the best. And the Buckeyes... Granted, they did okay here with with what they had the opportunity to do. They had 12 offensive rebounds, only four less than Texas A&M, and it certainly did not feel that way. If you go into the, the stats, and actually, since, since putting these notes in, I'm now seeing the stats. Looks like Texas A&M has been credited for another offensive rebound, so I guess they're rebounding while we're not playing as well. Texas A&M actually out-rebounded Ohio State 15 to 10 on the offensive class, you're hoping that's going to lead to second chance points. That's why I I put this in here was because heading into this game, we knew Texas A&M wasn't the strongest defensive rebounding team. We knew Ohio State had some guys who could rebound offensively, and you're hoping that this converts to second chance points to kind of keep pace with Texas A&M. Only nine second chance points for Ohio State. Texas A&M had 19. So the Buckeyes got destroyed in in that regard. Not really close. And the third key to the game. This was crucial, and I did not realize it was going to be as crucial as it was. But I said, guard their guards. And to be frank, to be clear, this didn't mean keep Texas A&M's guards from shooting threes. Although Jamison Battle made sure Hayden Hefner did not take a three. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if he... If he had the chance to take a three, let me pull that up really quickly. Hayden Hefner had four points and he hit one three. Only only shot one, but made his only three. So Jameson Battle was on Hefner all night. Watching this game, and again, I was there. I, I had a great view, great view from the shot in this one to be able to see the entire floor. It was phenomenal. And I tell you what, Jameson Battle was on Hayden Hefner all night. Where Ohio State was not on guys was Tyrese Radford, Wade Taylor the fourth. And again, doesn't mean don't make them shoot threes. Honestly, go ahead and let them shoot some threes. They were horrible in this game from three. But that does mean cut them off on the drive, force them to keep the ball out of the paint, force them to kick the ball outside. Tyrese Radford scored 21 points. Wade Taylor the fourth scored 21 points points and Texas A&M's ability to get the ball into the paint and when they got the ball into the paint you saw exactly what I said Texas A&M has been all of last season and into this season was their guards with the ability to rebound offensively and I'm like I said 
I'm going to get into this, and I'm going to be more passionate about this than maybe anything I have been on this show in its young life. But boy, Ohio State was not good at guarding Texas A&M's guards, and it really, really hurt them in this one. So the keys to the game were to take and make threes. They didn't do it. It was to rebound offensively. They did fine there, but they didn't get the second chance points that they should have. And to guard Texas A&M's guards, they failed on that as well. So this wasn't really necessarily the hardest game to figure out. And this is, again, why I felt really confident in taking Texas A&M to win this game was because Texas A&M had some very clear strengths. They're not a hard team to figure out. It's just a matter of can Ohio State limit the Aggie strengths? And they were unable to do so in this one. We're going to move on to some observations from this game. And I've got I've got a few. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven observations from this game. And I may have more as we continue the conversation. But before we get on to that, I'm going to first talk about college basketball analytics. CBB analytics. You can go to cbbanalytics.com right now and create a site, create an account, or just poke around on the site. But I recommend that you get there again because Ohio State basketball uses college basketball analytics to game plan several, multiple, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of Division I programs, both in men's and women's basketball, use college basketball analytics in order to prepare, in order to self-scout, and you can have access to these exact same stats. It will give you a leg up in knowing college basketball. It will give you a leg up if you happen to like to sports bet on college basketball as well. The amount of information there is insane. This is an investment worth spending your money on. I can promise you that. I use college basketball analytics all the time to get prepped for shows. You should use them for fun as well. So go to cbbanalytics.com. If you sign up for an account, you can get your first month free using the code SHOT. That's S-C-H-O-T-T. Shot, short for the Schottenstein Center and views from the Shot Podcast. You can sign up for an account, get your first one free. That's cbbanalytics.com. So observations for this one. Um, again, I, I, I have to toe the line here to where I saw some really, really concerning things from Ohio State basketball in this one. And I started the show saying, do not dig up the seed that we planted two weeks ago and be upset that it hasn't sprouted into several peppers worth of produce. I said that, and at the same time, there were some things that were not fun about watching this game. However, one quick observation that's not analytical whatsoever, but it is an observation, being at the game, there was life in the shot for the first time in a while. And the players seem to feed off of this starting out in this game. I think a lot of people were somewhat surprised to see Ohio State hold a lead for a lot of the first half. And especially in the first part of the first half, the first few minutes, Ohio State played well. Their offense looked fluid. They got a couple of threes in. They, they made their shots. And there was energy at the Schottenstein Center, which I have been dying for for a while now. And we had that. So shout out to the fans who were there at the game and who brought it and gave Ohio State some energy, especially late when Ohio State needed to get a stop. They got loud. And although, again, that arena is not made for basketball, it still did get loud in there. I think the lower bowl 
the 100 sections, I think it was probably 90, 95% filled. There were not a lot of empty seats. Kind of same thing with the second section. Third section obviously was a little bit more sparsely populated, but overall, nice job to the fans getting out to this one. Big thing that I'm going to talk about here, my second observation in this one, this Ohio State backcourt has got to be better defensively. I tweeted about it during the game, and they're really it's not really so much adjustments that you can make as much as it is moving your feet and not reaching your hands out and getting fouled when you've been beat. I think Roddy Gale Jr. was the major culprit that stuck out in this game where he was getting beat, whether it be on screens. Just, I don't want to call it lazy, but a step slow to try to fight over a screen and then no hedge, no help on a ball screen where Roddy Gale Jr. now has to catch up and he's getting scored on or he's fouling or there are a couple times where he got beat and then a five-man or a four-man steps up to help Roddy Gale Jr., and then he fouls Texas A&M. Saw that multiple times, and I'll have to watch it again on the rewatch to see if there were any other players that were consistent, consistently as bad as Roddy Gale Jr., but he was really, really bad on ball defensively today. Even off ball, he was just out of position a lot, and it was confusing to me as to why Chris Holtman had left Roddy Gale Jr. in the game for a long stretch when he was getting cooked defensively. Another guy who was getting cooked more than I would like to see was Dale Bonner. Dale Bonner was supposed to come in for Ohio State and be a guy who you can expect to be a defensive stalwart. He was not against Texas A&M. I think Bruce Thornton was fine again. I'd have to re-watch it. I don't have stats in front of me at this point to see what exactly went down in that one, but he was one who jumped out in this one. And to go on along with that, the third observation that I will make in this one, Ohio State never successfully adjusted to Texas A&M's paint-centric offense. Again, I said it on the preview, much of this offense is centered around movement and spacing that thrives off a drive. When you get a Texas A&M ball handler, the ability to go downhill and to get the ball into the paint, you are pretty much screwed. We saw it. Wade Taylor the fourth made some layups and finished in this one that I was absolutely flabbergasted by, by the fact that he could make some of those shots. We knew he was good going into this game. I did not know that he was going to make as many layups as he did that were contested well. Tyrese Radford, another player who takes a large portion of his shots from at the rim, in the paint. He scored 21 points in this one. And then Henry Coleman III, a Duke transfer who plays center for Texas A&M. He had 20 points because he's the primary beneficiary of a lax defense in the paint. And Texas A&M getting the ability to get a bunch of offensive rebounds. Unless you are guarding... Hayden Hefner, both feet should be inside the three-point line. It doesn't matter who you're guarding, whether it be Radford or Wade Taylor the fourth or whoever else is out there to support those two. I did not get it. Go ahead and rewatch the game with a barf bag right beside you. Watch to see the percentage of times the Buckeyes got beat off the dribble 
and watch to see the amount of times that you saw guards guarding Texas A&M's guards, Ohio State's guards guarding Texas A&M's guards with their feet on the three-point line or behind it, essentially. They're not within the arc. We knew Texas A&M was not a good three-point shooting team. We knew they had no interest in shooting threes. And yet, all the Aggies did was drive, and they conquered on the drive. And we saw no adjustment from Ohio State, for the most part. This was supposed to be an improved defense this season. Everyone has talked about it. Chris Holtman has talked about it. The players have talked about it. They've made changes within the coaching staff to be a better defensive team. And this defensive performance primarily was a failure against Texas A&M. And I, again, I try to be measured. I try to be unbiased. But it was not easy to watch. And at the same time, while the guards were bad, whether this be a Chris Holtman and coaching staff thing or an inability to implement a game plan, the big men, by the way, Zed Key, Felix Akpara, they failed to help. And we know that Texas A&M, they want to drive. They're good at it. That is the focal point, and Ohio State failed to help on the drive. They failed to beat players on the drive. They failed to defensive rebound. And again, they were somehow in this game. For 35 minutes of this game, they were in it, and it was really, really, really close. Let me take a look at a few stats for you, okay? Just to just to make it clear how much how, how insane it is that Ohio State was in this game for 35 minutes. They were out-rebounded by 10, 41 to 31. It's impossible, essentially impossible to win when you're minus 10 on the glass. They're out-rebounded on the offensive glass by 5. Their turnover margin, they were minus 3 on turnovers. They gave up 38 points in the paint to Texas A&M. They gave up 19 second chance points. And yet somehow Ohio State was in this game for 35 minutes. They didn't have to worry about doing anything other than sticking to playing basketball. They didn't need to worry about being really, really careful with getting up good shots or feeling pressed because you're down by six with four minutes left to go. They didn't have to worry about any of that for the majority of this game, even with the failures defensively. And again, my, my major takeaways from all of this, I have several other observations that I'll get through here, but my major observation in this one is Texas A&M simply wanted to shoot from the paint and Ohio State never made an adjustment or a change. They never showed the ability to guard on the drive. And when they got beat, they did not rotate. They did not help. Guys were too stuck to their men rather than helping. And I don't know if that was a Chris Holtman game plan thing. I don't know if that was players not being able to implement what Chris Holtman and the coaching staff was telling them. But that was not good to watch. It was pathetic. It was pathetic. And again, I try to be unbiased. And I am by no means qualified enough to be an expert and say this is what Ohio State should have done. But I can tell you that we know as Ohio State fans that shouldn't have happened. And that's about as critical as you ever hear me be on Ohio State. Let's move to another observation. So we had a the conversation going around about how Ohio State shouldn't have lost this game. They need to win big games at home. 
all that stuff. I kind of touched on this a little bit. First of all, Ohio State was technically favored. They were favored by 1.5 points. It's essentially a pick 'em, right? So why are we so mad at losing? Like, losing does suck, but as a fan base, some people need to collectively sit down and take a breath. Texas A&M has the SEC Player of the Year. Preseason Player of the Year. They have an SEC preseason second team player. They're returning most of their production from last season while finishing as one of the best teams in the SEC and in major college basketball. I don't care if they didn't make much of a run in the NCAA tournament. They were good for the entire season. So Ohio State, a team that is younger than literally nearly every team in all of college basketball. A team that has one senior that's been on the team for four years. We're upset about them losing. We're going to complain and and gripe and say, man, Ohio State should have won this game. You're going to complain about Chris Holtman. What was Chris Holtman supposed to do? Was he supposed to beat the number 15 team in the nation? A trendy, savvy Final Four pick who I picked to go in the the Final Four? If you believe that, then that's fine. But on paper, Ohio State shouldn't have won this game, and they didn't. And like I said, for 35 minutes, they were competitive. And not only that, but this team is only going to get better as the season continues. This team is going to gel, and it's going to mesh, and Chris Holtman is going to figure out the right rotations, and they're going to look a lot better. But in the second game of the season, they lost to Texas A&M by seven points. They were trailing to Texas A&M by one point at halftime, and they were in it for nearly the entire game. So while Ohio State technically may have been favored in this one, to expect Ohio State to win, this wasn't a game that they were supposed to win. I don't care what Vegas says. So we need to take a deep breath in that regard. Another observation. And this is not a good one. This offense continues to just run through one player. And it's been really since the Cade Bates-Diop years where we saw a little bit more ball movement, rotation, and things like that. But in the past couple years, it, the torch has essentially been passed from EJ Liddell to Malachi Branham to Bryce Sensimal last year. And this year, it's Bruce Thornton. And Ohio State is not going to be successful if you are simply running the offense through one player. Cannot, will not be successful. You call a timeout late in the game, and, and this is one spot where I have been critical of Chris Holtman is his inability to design plays out of timeouts to get a score. You call a timeout, you need a score, what do you do? Well, you have your wings start on one corner of the court, and then they both switch and go to the other corner of the court. And then we see a post player come up and set a ball screen for Bruce Thornton, and Bruce Thornton has to go cook, essentially. And cook he did. He scored 24 in this one. I believe that's his career high. But he will need help. And he's not going to get help if Ohio State isn't moving around. Players are playing like they are glued to the floor. Some players are playing like they're literally playing basketball while wearing rain boots. It just looks so clunky. But that's an issue for Ohio State at this point. That has been a year-over-year regression for Ohio State. Jamison Battle got into foul trouble. His minutes were limited. Roddy Gale... He threw up some questionable layups that you knew weren't going in. Evan Mahaffey is no help offensively. You knew when the ball went in his hands. He, he, I mean, he had a bad shot that he missed tonight early in the first half. He also, I think he, he, he had at least one turnover 
Let me pull up the stats here to see if he was, should I say, credited with a turnover. He was not credited with a turnover. He must have had a pass deflected or something like that where he got the ball in the paint and it, it didn't look good, that possession. That's not going to be a help. Scotty Middleton was one of five from the field. Zed Key can be trusted somewhat offensively. But when you need a bucket, you've got to be able to go to someone who isn't only Bruce Thornton. It should and could be Bruce Thornton many times this year. But you've got to have someone standing in the corner who can hit a three. Or someone who can catch a pass and go get a bucket off the drive. Need to be more dynamic. And this Buckeye offense has got to move around. More than it did set screens. Have some kind of off-ball motion and fluidity. And they had that in the first four or five minutes of the game. Didn't really return much after that, especially in the second half where it was just essentially Bruce Thornton iso ball. Two more observations here. Ohio State has at least a shot to win this game at the buzzer. Just hit a buzzer beater. Have a chance. Be down by three if they make more free throws. They're 10 of 17 in this one. That's 58%. If you simply get to 12 of 17, which would be 71%, which is still below average... Look at how much different that game can be. And you can say, well, they lost by seven, so it wouldn't really change anything. But if if Bruce Thornton doesn't go 0 for 2 from the line in the first half, and he hits one or two of those, which he probably should because he's been a great free throw shooter in his career at Ohio State. But if Bruce Thornton can do that, and with five minutes left, instead of being down by six, you're down by four, you're not pressing as much, you're not worried as much, uh, if Texas A&M gets a bucket and the ability to still play your game offensively, defensively is there rather than having to foul with a minute left. Maybe you've got an extra possession where you don't need to foul yet. That's a possibility. But going 10 of 17 from the line, again, there were some very easy ways that Ohio State could have won this game. If they simply would have played marginally better defensively, in the paint, rebounding. If you pull down a couple more rebounds and limit Texas A&M's offensive rebounding. If you make a couple more free throws, this game could have been much, much different. If this game is played another time on Saturday, if they head right back to the shot and play again, Ohio State wins this game. If they simply do one or two of these things marginally better, and free throw shooting was one of them. Last thing that I'll say. As an observation, and as I've told you before, I like I would like to keep these reviews and previews around 30, 35 minutes. We're pacing well. If you need to hear this word, I, ho- I hope that you're ready to hear it. One game does not determine your season in college basketball. One reason why I love college football, I never talk about college football on this show. I'm a huge Ohio State football fan, in case you're curious, of course. Ohio State basketball fan too. That would make sense. I love college football because the biggest games mean the most. Because when Alabama and LSU play, you know that as of right now, as college football is currently constructed, one game can make or break your season. And by LSU losing that game, their season, their chances of going to the national title game are now zero. When Ohio State goes to play that team up north, in a couple Saturdays, two Saturdays from now, they will either win the game 
and essentially clinch going to the college football playoff or they will lose it and their season could be pretty much over. There are four teams that make the playoff. In college basketball, 68 teams make the NCAA tournament. If you are one of the 40-ish best in the power conferences, you will be in. There is still plenty of potential on this team. Chris Holtman does not suck as a head coach. I get the sentiment of being frustrated with Ohio State and the program that is in right now. But Ohio State does not suck. Chris Holtman does not suck. And counting him out after two games, one against an elite team that you've lost to, that you were supposed to lose to as well, is like digging up crops in March when sprouts aren't even above the ground yet. It's one game. It's been two games this season, and Ohio State came close to beating the number 15 team in the nation. This is one of the youngest teams in college basketball. This team will get better. This team is not going 16 and 19 again. It will not happen. Ohio State still has plenty in front of them, still has the potential to go to the NCAA tournament and to make a run. So, one game does not determine your season. This is not college football. This is not Duke. This is not Arizona. You should not have the expectations that Purdue has this year. And if you do have those high expectations, then you will be disappointed. Ohio State probably won't make it to the Final Four this year. But there's still plenty of season left ahead for the Buckeyes, and they can still go out and pick up some wins. They're going to have the chance to do that here coming up on Wednesday against Merrimack, and then they've got a couple other shall we say, easier games before they take on Alabama. We will be here to cover that. Please make sure you have subscribed to the Views from the Shop podcast if you haven't already, so you can continue to be a part of the conversation. We've had some really, really good numbers in the past couple of weeks as we've got some Buckeye fans who maybe haven't been paying as much attention to basketball. They have been doing so more so, so appreciate that. If you are a new listener, please don't forget to subscribe. It's free. Just do it. It'll be good for you. It'll be there. The episodes will be there. If you need them, you won't forget about them. Appreciate you listening today. What what can you say? It's it's hard to close off a show when you when you lose to Texas A&M and the game feels like you should have won. It's just a couple things would have been changed. Feels like you should have won. Ohio State on able to get the job done. We will come back on Monday to preview Ohio State's matchup with Merrimack. Until then, appreciate you listening. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.